This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, a good Monday evening to you. 6.30 Chet Inside Sports underway for another week. we got a full week of shows as the Oilers are currently in their bye week. All-Star week. The All-Star break is over. All-Star game happened on Saturday. Carried it live here on 6.30 Chad. Team Metro is your 2019 NHL All-Star champions. I guess that's how you term them. So the Oilers won't get back into action on uh, Friday as far as getting ready for their next game, which will be on Saturday in Philadelphia, as the Oilers will play back-to-back afternoon games, and that game in Philly is a 9.30 start, 9.30 a.m., 11 o'clock, the drop of the puck in Philly, then on Sunday in Montreal, the Oilers and Canadians, 10.30 will be the face-off show, and it's a noon start, but until then, the team will... uh, continue on their bye week and it's a it's a different sort of format or it is a different format that the nhl is using now instead of having you know teams staggered and having their bye weeks uh all over the place and it really was a competitive disadvantage because teams would come back off their break and you know they wouldn't be very good (laughs) and they'd be buying a team that hey they're in the rhythm of playing so you know that that first game against uh although the flyers are playing uh tonight against the uh, winnipeg jets and we'll do a scoreboard update shortly so it's a little bit more even it's not a perfect system but what will this other team look like following the break as they are right now three points out of a playoff spot but they got about four teams they got to jump over to uh, get a get that spot. And there's lots of time left, yes, but, man, they got to move, and they got to move quickly. So uh, tonight on the show, uh, we'll spend some time uh, recapping the All-Star weekend uh, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And uh, had a good Friday, and then Saturday happened, and they got blown out by the Central Division. So that wasn't good. It's an All-Star game, and it doesn't really matter, but, you know, you're playing in front of... You know, 17, 18,000 in a building and you're playing in front of, you know, a, a North American audience. You probably want to play a little bit better than they did, especially John Gibson, Anaheim Ducks goaltender. Uh, Jock Wilson will join us from uh, Newstock 770 in Calgary, the host of Sports Talk with Jock. We'll talk about the Flames. We'll talk about the Eskimos. Well, the Stampeders, really. Uh, plucking away a former beloved Edmonton Eskimo which is J.C. Sherrod, who retired a couple weeks ago. He's now the Stampeders, yes, the Stampeders linebacker coach, which wrangled a lot of Eskimo fans and rubbed them the wrong way. So we'll talk about that. Also, the arena debacle down in Calgary, um, it's starting to pick back up again. I don't know if it's the debacle or the arena, but the arena talk is starting up again. And then uh, next hour, you'll hear some comments from John Shannon from the NHL on Rogers, who spoke this afternoon on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. You can hear Oilers Now from noon until 2, weekdays here on 6.30 Ched. And John is the Monday regular. And John is someone that has spent quite a bit of time in Edmonton. Kind of his beat 
you know, he's based in Toronto, but he comes out to Edmonton a lot. He knows Bob Nicholson about as well as anybody knows Bob Nicholson. So I'll just talk about the GM search. What is Bob Nicholson looking for besides he better get this right? That's what the... uh, that's what the uh, talk is for sure. And what do the Oilers do in the short term? And what about the old boys club moniker? Is that fair? Is that a label that is deserved? And then Alfonso Davies, who uh, grew up in Edmonton. He's from Ghana. His family immigrated here to Edmonton. And then at 15 and a half years old, he makes his MLS debut with the Vancouver Whitecaps. And now he's in Bundesliga in Germany with Bayern Munich. He made his debut. And the 18-year-old, uh, this is pretty exciting for him. So Nick Husa, his agent, will join us after 7.30 from Germany. But the All-Star game took place. And before that, I'll let you know, you can text in at 6.30, 6.30. You can also, if you want to call in, you can do that, 780-496-0063. There's a couple games going on tonight. As I mentioned, the Flyers are in action. They're taking on the Winnipeg Jets at 0-0 right now in the second period of play. And also in action, the New Jersey Devils taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Devils are up by a score of three to nothing over the Penguins. Get you the goal scorers here: Travis Zajac with his twelfth, Damon Severson his seventh, Brian Boyle scores a shorthanded goal, his thirteenth goal of the season. Well, uh, the All Star Game. Hey, tell you what, Friday was uh, Friday was pretty cool in a number of ways. Uh, McDavid wins his third straight fastest skater, 13.38 seconds was the time. And Leon Dreisaitl won the uh, the passer relay, which is weird. You watch that game? Patrick, that's, and Patrick Bowers uh, on the other side of the glass. Hey, Patrick, how's it going? Good, how are you doing, Dave? Good. I, I did lo- watch it. I love this skills competition. Yeah. I mean, I almost enjoy that more than the game itself. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. that's right. This this year, when Pacific lost terribly, the other skills competition was better, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the passer thing is weird. Like, it's it's just shoot pucks into this small little target, and they light up when you hit it. But it's so boring if, if a guy is not doing very well. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other one, when they they have to do the saucer pass over the thing, like, some of those guys, it was, like, painful to watch, right? Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, but it was dull. Hey, Leon won. Leon Dreisaitl won, yeah. baby. What, minute 12 seconds, minute 9 seconds, somewhere in that range? So that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and who else? David Pasternak won the uh, won the most accurate uh, shooting, or the shooting accuracy. Um, can't even remember who won the hardest shot. Uh, it doesn't matter. I guess Steve he was did. Ovechkin last year, right? But yeah. he opted out this year? Yes, he did. That's right. So I can't even I don't remember. I don't remember, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, but it was also, also a great... A great night for uh, Canadian women's hockey players Rebecca Johnson and Renita Faust and Americans Kendall Coyne uh, Schofield and Brianna Decker. Uh, Coyne Schofield, her time was a second slower than Connor McDavid. Her time also beat Colton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes. She was great. She was outstanding. That lap was incredible to watch. Like, just watching it out of context, you would have thought that she would have beat Connor McDavid, honestly. Like, she was moving quick. It was amazing. It really was. Her time was 14.346 seconds. Keller was 14.526. Connor McDavid was 13.878. It was incredible. It was incredible. So, 
And what it did for, I think, women's hockey, and, you know, I was reading an article on Campbell, uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal was talking about it. And, uh, of course, she used to play on the women's program. Uh, she's a, a fine analyst for the NHL and Rogers. But she said if, if that weekend was a disaster, it probably sets women's hockey back another 20 years. And women, those, those women just stepped up to the plate and just, they just rocked it. They were excellent. And, you know, Decker actually had a time of, I think one minute, six seconds unofficially in the fastest or in the uh, putt in the passer relay and uh, dry sidles time was one Oh nine. But then the NHL said, well, we weren't really sure. So we re you know, we retimed it and it was about a minute, 12 minute 13. There was a social media campaign hashtag paid Decker. Brianne Decker did a great job. It was outstanding. Uh, Johnson, uh, Rebecca Johnson, who is a Canadian hockey player, been on the national team for a long time, did a great job in the puck control relay. Um, she made Elias Pedersen look silly on a couple of uh, on a couple of drills. It, w- it was a great weekend in that respect. So uh, the skills were, you know, they they were fun. Some of it was goofy, but you know, uh, how about Henrik Lundqvist, the old man? He won the uh, save streak. I think he had 12, 14 in a row, something like that. And then we get to the game. The games, and you're like, all right, Team team Pacific. I mean, I don't know how you get hyped up for all-star games or whatever, but when you have a team captained by Connor McDavid, and we live in Edmonton, and there's Leon Dreisaitl with them as well, and that's the first time that that the Oilers have had more than one one rep uh, at an all-star game since, what, 2001, I believe, or 2002, Doug Waite and Yanni Nenema. So it was great, but then bang, bang, they're down 2 nothing, And then the hometown hero, Eric Carlson, says, I'll fix that. Poke check along the goal line, gets the puck in a Pacific stick. It's Eric Carlson walking in, stick handling, shooting, he scores! So 2-1, all right. And then um, the Central Division, kaboom. Or maybe John Gibson went kaboom. The Central Division scoring their third goal just now on a centering pass to Roman Yossi. Patrick Kane will pick up the helper on that one. It is 3-1 in favor of the Central. Joe Pavelski couldn't hold the puck at the line. An outlet pass to Kane, left side. He darts in, he shoots underneath Gibson. And goal number four for the Central Division comes from Patrick Kane. Meanwhile, up and down, the Central Division scores again. Mark Shifley slipped in behind the defense, and they have lit up John Gibson for five goals. It is 5-1 in favor of the Central with 3.21 to go in the first. Stretch pass, Rantanen at the attacking line for the Central. Scores! Top right corner on John Gibson. It is 6-1 in favor of the Central Division. It was 10-1 at one point for the Central Division. The game ended up 10-4, and and even Connor McDavid was nabbed on a great glove save by Devin Dubnik. A stretch pass to McDavid up ahead. McDavid shoots. Glove save by Dubnik. Flashing the leather on Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, two breakaways in this period. And Dubnik has stoned them both times. (laughs) So, yeah, 10-4. Central will go on to lose in the final. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, both McDavid and Drysaddle said a little tough being out there. Yeah, it's the All-Star game, but no one likes to be, uh, likes to be, uh, I don't want to say showed up or anything like that, but uh, it's, uh, you know, got got a bit out of hand there. So uh, we, uh, we had to turn it up a bit. 
opinion about it. What was said between periods? Sorry, what was said between periods? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing said. I love that. Nothing said at all. What's there to say, right? Here's more from Leon. We weren't we weren't ready to go. (laughs) Um, I think we were dash two on our first shift. So (laughs) no, um, no. I guess it's all for fun, and you know it was a a great time out there, and um, you know lots of skill out there. So it was fun to be part of. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Great experience. Um, You know, great to meet. uh, uh, You know, faces that you usually um you know battle against and, and you know they're always tight games and, and um so it's great to to meet those guys and um you know be around uh you know those those superstars and, and even even you know pick up a thing or two so uh, i had a great time and that's what it's all about really you just go and have fun but you know even drew Doughty was saying after the game it's like <laughs> that was embarrassing but what i love is is the booze raining down from the San Jose Sharks fans over, you know, to, to John Gibson, and it was instant, you know, because there, there's three Sharks on Team Pacific. There's Eric Carlson, there's Brent Burns, and there's Joe Pavelski. And uh, the Shark boys were really trying to get it going after about 3-4-1, but then John Gibson, who unfortunately was a sieve, that night he, he was terrible you could tell it was getting to him i mean you might think and yes it's true this game means nothing but there's so much pride on the line still too and he's gonna get ribbed for that forever and in the moment you don't want to get you don't want to get scored on like that and he was he was he was terrible i mean he was just terrible so it was weird not seeing team pacific in the final because they've been there the last i think three years uh, definitely the last two with Connor mcdavid's participation but it was team metro sydney crosby was the uh, big star barzell drop pass crosby collects crosby shoots and scores top shelf on devin dubnik to make it five nothing to the metropolitan division with four seconds left in the period a three goal lead with six minutes to play in a regular season game tough to come back and win three on three it's different there's still plenty of time Nico Ranton in the most recent goal until that from Crosby at the side of the net. Time just ran out. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, jeez. Sidney Crosby again, and he oh, is certainly boy. making his case for the MVP with his seventh point of the night. Had five points in the final, two goals, three assists, and, yes, he was the All-Star Game MVP. What about Henrik Lundqvist, though? Tell you what, if there was a second runner-up or a first runner-up, I guess, probably would be him. He was great. Ryan O'Reilly to Miko Rantanen, and a great save is made by Henrik Lundqvist to start the final for the Metropolitan. Feeds the puck up the far boards, cut off by Roman Yossi of Nashville. Touch pass, Shifley denied by an outstanding save by Henrik Lundqvist, getting it with a left pad. So Lundqvist, I mean, it was 5-0 at the break. In the final, 5 nothing with Lundqvist in goal. And he was really good in the first game, too, against the Atlantic Division. So it was a fun All-Star game. And, you know, All-Star games, are they're hard to watch. And you can text in at 6.30, 6.30. They can be hard to watch. And uh, another DC says, uh, regarding the All-Star game, bring back the game. This little tourney's not working. Bring back the game. Fool. I remember when people said, well, the actual game wasn't working, so you got to do something. But I do notice the uh, the uh, honeymoon period, I think, is a, is over, and the players have found a way to kind of skate at half speed through this game a little bit. There's some competition, clearly, but, I mean, the game was, the game was, the games were not very good. And I don't know what you do to fix it 
I mean, it's never going to go away. It's a big sponsorship uh, gala and event for the league and for sponsors, and it's a, it's a good event for kids, so it's never going away. I mean, I watched it about five minutes of the Pro Bowl yesterday, which was a mistake, but the uh, game was played in Orlando. Uh, the AFC, I believe, won. They dominated the game. Uh, the best moment, though, of the game was uh, near the end. And by the way, it's pouring rain, too. A lot, that's why a lot of people were saying, just bring it back to Hawaii. Because at least, you know, it's, it's a dud game, but it's in a nicer place. Anyway, Orlando's probably pretty nice when it's not raining. But uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's a corner for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, caught a touchdown pass from J- uh, Deshaun Watson. Just ran a quick slant pattern. It was like five, six-yard touchdown. So that was kind of cool. So anyway, All-Star Weekend's done. We're back to uh, regular playing the National Hockey League. Oilers not back until Saturday. Inside Sports, Dave Campbell and Fareed Wilk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday, Reed will be back on Thursday. Can text in at 6.30, Lambo says CCM paid Decker 25000 for the passing competition. There you go. Uh, Brian says, I don't care what people say. That passing thing is really hard. Leon winning it was very impressive. I do agree with that. To do it in a minute nine was impressive, especially when there was uh, there's some players that were going past 130, almost two minutes. It was painful. Maybe that's the painful part. Leon did make it look pretty easy. Uh, Brian also says, uh, fell in love with Schofield flying around the ice. Wow, can she fly? She definitely can. Uh, another texter says, the All-Star Game winners get a million. Really just ridiculous. Well, you got to give them a little bit of a carrot and a little bit of incentive to go out there and perform well and be competitive. I mean, the game the game stunk. I mean, it was 5 nothing at the break. But, you know, I, I remember two years ago, Connor McDavid back-checking when it was like 6-6. Can't remember who they were playing. Maybe it was the Atlantic Division. It doesn't matter. But, but he was back-checking, you know. So I think if the game's closer, you see more competition. But, yeah, I, I don't think I, – I don't want the 3-on-3 three three format to go, to go away, to be honest with you. I, I kind of like the 3-on-3 three three format. So – Anyway, but it's the All-Star game. So if you watch, great. If you didn't, it's really no big loss. But it's always fun to watch uh, the skills and see what comes out of it. And the fact that we saw great performances out of uh, out of female hockey players was outstanding. So when that's uh, an angle we're uh, continuing that we're going to pursue here on on the show, and hopefully this week we uh, we get something from that uh, from that little uh, endeavor. So. Anyway, let's move on here. News is next from the 6.30 Chet 24-Hour News Center. When we come back, we'll head down to Calgary, talk about the Flames. We'll talk about the Stampeders. We'll also talk about the arena stuff because that's coming up again. Later on, you'll hear the agent from Alfonso Davies, uh, who made his debut in Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. That and much more coming up as it's Campbell in for Wilkins here on 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. Welcome back to the show. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll have Kelly Rudy on that night from the NHL on Rogers. So we'll look forward to that. Or there's not in action until Saturday 
in Philadelphia. And it's an afternoon game. Well, it's actually a morning game, a late morning game that'll turn into an afternoon game. 9.30 is the face-off show, and 11 o'clock is the drop of the puck, and the Oilers are in Montreal the uh, next day for another afternoon game. It's a noon start and a 10.30 face-off show. Scoreboard tonight, there are two games. And the Winnipeg Jets, uh, the lone Canadian team in action tonight, they're 1-1 right now with the Philadelphia Flyers. They're in the second period, late in the second period. And the goal scorers, Phil Verone for the Philadelphia Flyers and Jake Roslovich, his third goal of the season on the power play for the Jets. It is now 4-1, Devils over the Penguins. Blake Coleman, his 18th goal of the season. Uh, he scored the fourth goal for the Devils. It was Derek Broussard who's having a tough year. His ninth goal of the season. Could he be a possible trade target for the Oilers if they are able to stay in the race? A couple of trades today in the National Hockey League. Uh, the first one, and this is like Groundhog Day with this trade. Penguins a traded defenseman Jamie Alexiak to the Dallas Stars for a fourth-round pick. The deal is essentially a mirror image of the December 2017 trade that's in Alexiak from Dallas to Pittsburgh for a fourth-round draft choice. Alexiak, four goals, 11 points, 37 penalty minutes of 36 games with the Pens this season. And then the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs shore up their blue line. They get a left-shot defenseman in Jake Muzzin. And he was traded for a couple of prospects in a 2019 uh, first-round pick. So Jake Muzzin joining the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know who else is joining the uh, unexpected, but he's joining the Calgary Stampeders. One linebacker, J.C. Sherritt. What? Of course, he retired two weeks ago, so J.C. can do whatever the heck he wants. But to talk about that and other things uh, down in Calgary, as the Flames are having a great, great season. What about that arena thing? Uh, Jock Wilson joins us from Newstock 770 in Calgary, the host of Sports Talk with Jock. How you doing, buddy? I tell you what, Davey, it's 2019, and life is good if you are a Flames fan and, and even a Calgary Stampeder fan right now, even though there's a little more uncertainty with the Calgary Stampeders and the Calgary Flames. Yeah, well, well let's start there. Uh, now, this morning I'm at home, and then, uh, you know, notification pops on, on onto my phone. Stampeder signed J.C. Sherritt. I went, mm -hmm. or Stam, no, it said Stampeder, or no, J.C. Sherritt joined Stampeder's coaching staff. I went, <laughs> what? No, J.C., sorry, J.C., it is J.C. Sherritt. Like, this is one of the biggest heel turns in CFL history, I think. You know, I'm using a, ref a wrestling reference a night after the Royal Rumble, by the way. Uh, but, but wow, Th this is a yeah. turn of events, and some Eskimo fans are going, what are the Eskimos doing? What is J.C. Sherrod doing? You got yourself uh, perhaps a good coach there uh, down there in Calgary, Mr. Wilson. You know what's interesting is I was more stunned as, as a member of the Calgary media when we saw Steve Smith become not only a member of the Calgary Flames, but then a member of the Calgary Flames coaching staff, because that, to me, was almost sacrilegious, not only for the Flames, but for the Oilers as well. J.C. Sherrod is a very, very interesting development, though, and, and you may not, I just got off the phone with him a little while ago, as a matter of fact, and, and it was interesting. He says, hey, I've always dreamed to be a coach. Since I was a two-year-old, I, I wanted to be a coach, you know, and, and it's great to get the start. And he said it came together very, very quickly for him. Obviously, he had that surprise announcement in your city a couple of weeks ago where he announced his retirement. And, and, and last week, he was interviewing with Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel, and then today we get the news that J.C. Sherritt, the, the former Eskimo great, is part of the Calgary Stampede coaching staff. So, yeah, I, I would say a little bit of a surprise for 
us here in Calgary, probably more of a surprise uh, for you in Edmonton. Did, did you have any inkling that he wanted to be a coach? Uh, oh, absolutely. And honestly, yeah. it didn't really yeah. come come out until he ruptured his Achilles in the first game of the 2017 season in okay. Vancouver. And then he was uh, going to meetings still. And then he he was joining coaching staff meetings as well. There and he you would go. go on okay. the road with the team. And then, of course, he rehabbed well enough that he could have been a possibility for the Grey Cup if the Eskimos uh, beat the Stampeders in the Western Final. But, yeah, I mean, that's when the I think I think it was always there, but he never talked about it because you know how players are. They just, they're just so sure. focused on. And a guy like J.C. Sherritt would be focused about his task at hand at the moment uh but yeah he he said that that season he got the bug for coaching but he didn't really know how long he wanted to play and you know and he said okay well maybe you know there's some talk he might retire after last season you know after 2017 but then he wanted to give it one more go and not you know be remembered as a guy who ruptured his achilles and that was his final season and came back and had a really good final season but yeah apparently this this from what i'm hearing this is this was a surprise even for the coaching staff because he interviewed really well which is not a big surprise yeah. but yeah it kind of caught the caught dave dickinson and john huffnagel off guard too about how well he interviewed well, even Dave Dickinson was saying there were, there were a couple of candidates that were looking for that vacant uh, linebacking, you know, coaching position. And and when when all of a sudden JC became available, they said we got to talk to this guy. And yes, he did very much impress. Now I, I got to tell you, I, I tried to do some investigative reporting with JC because I, no one knows what JC stands for. He wouldn't give it up for Terry Jones. I don't think he's giving it up for you guys at six thirty, Chad. So uh, do you know what what JC stands for? Because he's not giving it up here in Calgary. I know, but I have to erase your memory. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're not giving it up either, no, today? No, I, I, okay. I know it, but I think JC would probably never speak to me again if I said it. So, you know, okay. I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair, I guess I guess I got to get to know him a little bit better than maybe I can find out off the record. <laughs> Jock Wilson joins us from uh, News Talk 770 in Calgary uh, here tonight on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, now, is this going to help bring a, a former, um, uh, another former member of Eastern Washington back to Calgary and Bo Levi Mitchell? Oh, you know, I, I, I did ask him that question. And, and I, as I said, so obviously you've talked to Bo. And he goes, oh, yeah, we talked to Bo. Uh, you know, I talked to Bo every single day. And, you know, we text back and forth. And I said, so give me the inside scoop. Is is Bo Levi coming back to Calgary? He goes, no, I'm, I'm not telling you that. So he, he wouldn't get I, – I, I'm just not a very good investigative reporter, obviously, because I'm not getting the inside scoop. Hey, there is a relationship there. You know that. I think everybody in the Canadian Football League who follows this league knows that. It's not going to hurt, is it? You know, because they are such good buddies. And, and, and I think as you and I have talked before, Dave, uh, the fact is – is Bo, Bo Levi will not sign a futures deal in the NFL. Bo Levi needs guaranteed money up front. He needs an opportunity to legitimately become a number two quarterback. If he doesn't get that opportunity, he is not going to the NFL. Right. And again, that upfront money is going to be so important. Everybody that we've seen, you know, in the NFL with these futures contracts, they're signing futures deals. And if you don't know what a futures deal is, it's basically no upfront money. You're going in to compete for a, a roster spot. Hey, Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, there's no guaranteed contracts in the CFL, but guess what? These two players, they're signing guaranteed deals, and, and they're getting very, very well compensated for what they get. So, um, yeah, they're going to do okay here in Canada, these two players. And I, I, my gut is telling me the longer this is going on, my gut tells me that Bo Levi Mitchell comes back to Canada. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Mike Riley does the same thing. But the wild card in this whole thing is, and you're right, the, the futures deals can be signed now. Uh, usually there's no upfront money. And uh -huh. and that salary doesn't count until the league year and the NFL begins sometime in mid-March. But 
If exactly. all Levi Mitchell's waiting till mid-March to find a deal when the league year opens, that's going to be maybe a bit problematic for the Stampeders and even for Bo Levi Mitchell himself. Is is that going to be too late in the process? And if he does sign, then I would expect the Stampeders would join the race for Mike Riley. <laughs> Well, yeah, John Huffnagel uh, said at the uh, at the CFL winter meetings, he said, you know, we, we've sort of asked Bo to uh, to keep us in the loop. Let us know where it stands. We would like to know by February the 12th, obviously, because you're right. They, they've got to have a transition plan. Nick Arbuckle is not going to carry the load for the Calgary Stampeders. That much is clear. Um, and so if Nick Arbuckle can't carry the load, you don't have Bo Levi Mitchell, what are you going to do for this organization? As you are hosting a great cup in Calgary in 2019, they're going to have to go out and be very, very competitive. You know, maybe it's not, uh, you know, Mike Riley. Maybe it's a Jonathan Jennings. Um, you know, maybe it's a Trevor Harris. Who knows? Uh, but uh, they obviously can't go into a season with Nick Arbuckle as your number one guy. Yeah, I would agree with that as we're joined by Jock Wilson from Newstock 770 in Calgary here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Let's switch sports. Uh, okay. Hockey, man, the Calgary Flames are having some kind of year. You know, and the Oilers are in a, in the fight for a playoff spot uh, down in the bottom of the Western Conference for those two wildcard spots in a race that has been now affectionately dubbed as the Turtle Derby because it's just uh-huh. mediocre hockey teams playing for the final two spots in the West. But then you look up, way up, and man, oh man, the, the heavyweights uh, top of the uh, Western Conference uh, led, by, led by the Calgary Flames. Uh, why are they having such a good year? Uh, you know, number one, I don't want to throw a lot of gas on the Edmonton fire, but, you know, because Calgary hasn't exactly had a ton of success over the years as well when it comes to playoffs, and I know Edmonton fans know full well about, the, you know, the lack of success for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but it is really interesting. And for the first time, probably since 2004, there is excitement in this city. And, and people look at this team and the makeup of this team and the power and the star power of this team and the depth of this team. And, you know, a lot of people are drinking the Calgary Flames Kool-Aid, not only here in Calgary, but I think nationally more people are now buying in on this team as well. So I, I think you look at the number one line, the trade that Brad Living made with Carolina to bring in Elias Lindholm, to bring in Noah Hannafin, that has been a solid home run for this organization because it has given them a rare, very, very, very good defensive player and offensive player on that number one line. It's given them a solid number two pairing on the back end as uh, Travis Hamannick has had a great, great year this year with Noah Hannafin, and it's just added that extra depth. So right now, the Calgary Flames, as you are fully aware, you know, have the scoring punch up front, not only with their number one line, Matthew Kachuk, the young star, is having a great season as well. And, and this is a team, if you would have told me at the start of the season that James Neal, you know, wouldn't even have five goals yet on the season, I'd be saying, well, this team is having another very, very tough year. Yeah. And, and James Neal has been a little bit of a disaster, obviously, and this team is getting it done. And, and, and then the other wild card is obviously the goaltending. Mm-hmm. And is this, a, is this a Cam Talbot situation where David Riddick is going to be a one-hit wonder, or is David Riddick going to be another Mika Kiprasov? Some people are trying to make that comparison here in Calgary. Right now, he's, he's more, you know, Cam Talbot and Mika Kiprasov-like in Cam's first year uh, but you know can he do it long term for this team it's going to be very very interesting to say but right now i think uh, most people are saying the success of this team rests on a couple of things johnny goudreau sean monahan having a great season and obviously the goaltending of uh, david reddick because what, one thing the calgary flames do do is they do give up a lot of you know 10 bell scoring chances right uh, now what's the latest with the arena with the arena stuff uh, that, that kind of got brought <laughs> back in the news late last week and uh, looks yeah. like council's talking about it again but but what, what's the latest now 
Uh, they, they are talking, and we don't call it an arena anymore. We call it an event center. Oh, okay. So, yes. So, so let's <laughs> because of course we don't want any any city money going towards an arena to help billionaire owners and millionaire hockey players. We've all heard that debate every once in a while. But they also understand what's happening in Edmonton with Ice District and what a new event center can do for your downtown core. And we have Stadium Envy here in Calgary, uh, obviously. We've got a better hockey club, but we don't have a better arena, and that's not uh, sitting very well here in the city. So, yes, Jeff Davidson, one of our aldermen, he has brought it back uh, to council, and, you know, they are talking, and, th- and there is some talks going on, probably more behind the scenes than front and center talks, Dave, which is a very positive thing. So all we, all I can say is we've got our fingers crossed. You know, we, we didn't get the 2026 Olympics. That plebiscite failed miserably here in Calgary, uh, but now at least they're, they're talking about a new arena project. And again, it's, it's, the, it's the old saying, it's one thing to talk about, it's another thing to pay for it, and who's going to pay for it? Uh, so we'll see how that one plays out. You know, I, I just go back to the Grey Cup when, when uh, Dave Dickinson and Rick Campbell had their coaches' news conference to kick off uh, Grey Cup week, and, and, and Dave Dickinson, Dickinson talked about you know, coming up to Edmonton and, and playing, you know, his son plays in minor sports, and looking at all the facilities, and not just... Mm-hmm. Not just an arena, but the rec centers that are that have gone up lately in Edmonton, and there's there's several new ones. And he says it's a shame that Calgary doesn't have the same thing. Why is that? Oh man, it's it's a great question. As far as the rec centers, you know, we we do have the two biggest YMCA's in you know the country, mm-hmm. and and the brand new one by the South Campus Health Center just opened. So the Brookfield YMCA here in Calgary YMCA, it's it's a beautiful facility, but it's not a field house, and it doesn't have a field house attached to it. It's got a school, it's got a library, it's got all the bells and whistles like arenas, and you know multi floor court facilities, but it doesn't have a true field house. So I think the real envy here in Calgary is. Uh, we don't have the field house. And why we don't have a field house, you know, it's been talked about by city council, it's been talked about by Calgarians for a long, long time. I, I go back to the Calgary Flames making a great proposal about Calgary Next. I didn't love the location they were talking about because they were talking about in the West Village here in Calgary, you know, and of course there was the contaminated land, which is a little bit of an environmental disaster. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, all the environment uh, environmentalists talking about our, our bad oil, but right now we've got this environmental disaster here in the city with the creosote going into the Bow River, but no one, no environmentalist seems to care about that uh, because no one wants to clean it up, which is kind of sad. Uh, so again, the, the vision of Calgary Next with the football stadium, the field house, and the event center all under one roof would have been brilliant. That's not going to happen. I do believe we're going to see a new event center probably in the next four or five years, and that will be in Victoria Park, very close to where the existing uh, Scotiabank Saddledome is right now. All right, Jock Wilson joins us from Newstock. 770 in Calgary. He's the host of Sports Talk with Jock, joining us here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, finally, um, mm-hmm. 10 days ago, we, we learned of the passing of Peter Watts, and uh, tomorrow's the funeral, and I know uh, you worked with Peter for a long time. Uh, I know my dealings with Peter, you know, only have been for the last, you know, maybe inside of 10 years, and always, you know, my, my, my recollections of Peter are going to be just a very uh, professional, genuine, good man who knew how to interview, who knew how to talk to people, but you you know him very very well. Uh, what what's gonna what's what's gonna resonate with you the most when you think back on on Peter's life? 
you know, it's it's going to be a celebration of life tomorrow at, at McInnes and Holloway, and, and it's going to be a it's going to be a jammed standing room room only uh, attendance because Peter made an impact not only in Edmonton but here in Calgary and you know nationally as well as one of the original employees for for TSN. So the love and support that has been you know pouring in over the last uh, ten days has just been unbelievable, and it shows you what an impact that Peter Watts has certainly had not only on this province, not only on this city, uh, our both of our cities really, uh, but uh, but nationally as well. And, and and all I can tell you, Dave, when when I look back at my, my friend Peter Watts, and I've been lucky, I've known Peter for, for over 30 years, and you know, I, I've seen, I've worked with him here in, in Calgary at uh, 770 as he was hosting the Alberta Morning News, uh, you know, for the last uh, number of 20, I guess it was 20 years uh, mm-hmm. per se, and, and, and I think you, you nailed it. He was a professional. And he was a workaholic, but he was a professional. And then when I say a workaholic, I say that because this is what Peter loved to do. Peter loved to be in the broadcasting industry, and there was not a more committed person, you know, to this industry than than Peter Watson. I, I share this story a couple of times because my press box seat at at McMahon Stadium is is basically I've, I've had it for the last uh, I guess twelve years now that I've been with the Calgary Stampeder football broadcast. And to the left of me was always a longtime Calgary sports guy, Billy Powers. And Billy Powers was tragically murdered, uh, you know, a number of years ago. Uh, he is honored, you know, with the plaque beside me on the left of my press box. Peter Watts used to always sit at the right of me in the press box. So when I go to McMahon Stadium this year when the uh, new football season starts, you know, I'm going to look over to my left. I'm going to see that plaque for, for Billy Powers. And I'm going to look to my right, and I'm going to think of Peter uh, Peter Watts. So it's going to be uh, kind of emotional when I get back to McMahon Stadium. Yeah, no question. Well, Jock, I really appreciate that. And uh, as always, uh, love having you on the show. I love being on your show. So uh, we'll talk again soon, okay? Sounds good, Dave. Anytime. All right, that's Jock Wilson, the host of Sports Talk with Jock. Down at uh, News Talk 770 Global News Radio, Calgary. And yes, uh, yes, it's been it's been tough since uh, the last month, really, uh, when Peter first became uh, really ill and was hospitalized and unfortunately passed away about 10 days ago. So he'll be remembered uh, fondly. And a uh, great man, tremendous career. And uh, we definitely uh, still uh, mourn the passing of Peter Watts, and uh, we remember him very, very fondly. One of the best. It is uh, 6.52, back to wrap up Hour 1 of Inside Sports in a moment. Last couple minutes of the uh, hour, next hour. We'll be joined by the agent of Alfonso Davies, Nick Husa. And Alfonso Davies, uh, his story is excellent. Uh, lived in Edmonton for a long time after his uh, family immigrated from Ghana. And uh, recently, just uh, at the age of 18, after a pretty successful run with the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps at MLS, uh, or of, of MLS, uh, was... Uh, uh, record transfer fee 22 million i think last july uh, to join byron munich and he finally made his debut i say finally they, they've played it was their second lead game uh yesterday but he got to play the final five minutes of the game so we'll hear from nick about that you can uh, text in at 6 30 6 30 this text comes in actually oilers are the better team five cups versus calgary's one <laughs> okay historically yes <laughs> currently no 
<laughs> not the better team, but yes, more hardware for the Oilers than, than the Calgary Flames. Yes, that is for sure. Hockey's back tonight, folks. The NHL, that is. The Flyers with a 2-1 lead over the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the second period of play. Uh, Travis Konechny on a tip-in goal, his 13th of the season, gave the Flyers a lead just before the period was over. And uh, just about to start the third period in Pittsburgh, the uh, Devils up 4-1 on the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. So there you go. News is next from the 6.30 Shed 24-hour news center with Trisha Kimmelman. So uh, in addition to talking about Alfonso Davies' debut yesterday in Bundesliga with Bayern Munich, we'll also hear uh, some comments from John Shannon, analyst for the NHL on Rogers, who was a guest on Orders Now with Bob Stoffer today to talk about the GM search, what the Oilers do in the, in the meantime. And... Is this old boys club, uh, club moniker label, is it fair? And we'll keep you up to date on the NHL games. That and much more coming up. It's Campbell in for Wilkins on a Monday evening edition of 630 Chad Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.